What's up, guys? My name is Michelangelo Clairbo, and this is episode six of the Open Social Society podcast. Today, I have a special guest here, and her name is Laura. She's going to be talking on her experience with mental illness and specifically an eating disorder. Enjoy. My name is Laura. I went to uh, high school with Michelangelo and I'm also from Burlington. What inspired me to come on the podcast is hearing Michelangelo's story and knowing the importance of sharing stories about mental health. I thought that I would share my own story about my journey with mental health. So um, I guess I'm just going to sort of start where Michelangelo started, which is in high school. And so basically I had a pretty normal high school career. Uh, I tried to get good grades. I think actually it'd be interesting to know like what was your perception of me in high school, Michelangelo? It, well, that, that is actually an interesting question. Because I think that's, yeah, it's like a really, because yeah. I know my perception of myself and like my own close friends, but there, I think we went to a high school where a lot of people, it was small enough that everyone sort of knew of one another, but you didn't necessarily know people super well. So yeah, just like, I'm just curious. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of uh, taking by face value at the high school yeah. that we were at. <laughs> yeah. um, so I still remember like we were both kids that were like, we, we definitely wanted to get good grades. Mm-hmm. Like we tried to get as, as high of a grade yeah, as we could get. Yeah. So I still remember basically Laura to me was, I saw her as competition in a sense. It was literally <laughs> totally like, fair. it was literally like I, I needed to, I needed to, to top her. Cause in, in a sense, like, again, that was all I really like thrived on was, was grades, no. sports, whatever. Mm-hmm. But so it was funny. Like she, she was phenomenal in high school though. I could, I honestly, I don't think I ever did top her, but but I I tried every single year over and over again. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, she was definitely an academic competitor to me, and and that's honestly the best way I can describe our relationship no, in high school. It, 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 make, it makes a hundred like com- complete perfect sense. So yeah, basically ever since even elementary school, like I'd always been shooting for the highest grades, and I realized that if I applied myself, that I actually could kind of achieve those really high grades. And I think what I realized is that people always tell you oh like do your best and I realized my best was like pretty much a hundred so that's sort of what I shot for but I also I wanted to be well-rounded as well and I enjoyed I think like spending time with friends and I actually even in grade 11 and 12 worked a part-time job um, as a cashier and then I also was like part of sports teams and different like student council just so many different things just really keeping myself busy but always aiming for the highest grades I could get and it's funny because at the time I didn't know this but now when I look back I realized I had a lot of uh, just anxiety over grades and anxiety in general honestly about the future about uh, not knowing what I wanted to pursue after high school (sighs) Um, yeah so just (laughs) so like there's just this so much anxiety wrapped up uh, in all of this because when you're when I mean, you do well in every single subject, like I'm not, that sounds horrible. That sounds so like. But it's true. It's, no, no. Literally, when you're able to do well when you're in every. A, exactly. Yeah. Except for physics. I never took physics. But <laughs> when you're able to do well in so many different things, it's hard to know what you actually are passionate about and oh, yes. what you, what area you want to go into. So I was really scared of university. Even the idea of leaving my small little high school and going to some giant university just, mm-hmm. it terrified me. So um, when it came to choosing where to 
go. I thought about going into science, but I knew I, I kind of thought I don't really want to be a doctor. So science doesn't really make sense. So I'm going to go and like apply for business programs as well yeah. as um, one science program, which had like a business part tacked onto it. Um, so just applied to those programs, barely visited any schools <laughs> yeah, I know and that. Um, decided to just kind of go off to university. And I think that's kind of when things really hit, hit a point where I noticed that I was starting to develop issues. So um, I think my story kind of, so I had all this anxiety in high school, but I was still able to function like very well and it didn't bother me too much. Um, able to be a pretty normal kid. And then I think when things started to change was I went on this trip uh, to Europe uh, in grade between grade 11 and grade 12 for a month and I got back from that and I noticed that I had gained some weight and honestly like it probably wasn't even that much but somehow I noticed it and because our society kind of hates weight gain and really mm -hmm. is that's not seen as a good thing. I just kind of realized, oh my God, like I need to do something to fix this. So for the first time in my life, I kind of really just was not happy with my body, was not happy with myself. So for most of grade 12, I was trying to make little changes here and there to kind of, I guess, eat healthier, exercise more, that sort of thing. But I didn't have a lot of time as you, I was involved in so many different activities. I didn't have enough time to really devote to kind of this new lifestyle I wanted to have. But in the back of my head, I kind of felt this, this isn't good enough. This isn't where I want to be. So I think things like these thoughts just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I kept feeling worse and worse about myself, especially like in grade 12, you're also uh, trying to buy a prom dress, you're trying to buy a grad dress. And so like, you're just looking in the mirror and it's just, it's, it's like the one of the first times you're doing that. Yeah, definitely. Like actually like you're, yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's such a weird forced experience for girls. But no, it's for just like, for sure. you need to do this or you can't, I don't know, you can't fit in or Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I just, I didn't, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror, but I didn't also tell anybody about this. So I had all of these internal feelings and honestly, because women hating their bodies is pretty normative in society. I was just like, well, this is what it's like to be an, oh, an adult woman now. Just this is what I have to deal with. <laughs> it's just part of adulthood. Yeah. Seriously. Um, so I didn't think it was kind of abnormal. I just thought this is like what people go through. Right. So I was really, but then I also sort of started to notice in, I think it was about June of grade 12 year, I really wasn't happy. So kind of similar to what Michelangelo had said, like you have almost the like, quote unquote perfect life, but for some reason you just feel empty. It's really weird. Like you yes. don't really understand why you're doing everything you're doing. And you, I kind of started to notice, wow, I'm like really hard on myself. This is, it was what was normal for me, but I don't think based on other people's other, experiences yeah. that other people are quite as difficult with themselves. And yet, since we can't be honest with them at the time, it's like we never really discover that like this is the odd we're the odd ones out there yeah. exactly no you think that your experiences are normal because mm -hmm. you don't really talk to other people about that kind of stuff and then that's just what you're left with <laughs> so the summer before i went away for university i really without school to focus on i really kind of focused on 
eating less and exercising more and honestly trying to eat healthy like I was never trying to just like not eat at all it was more just typical well what people would consider typical like diet behavior and then I was so anxious about university so scared I pretty much just like put it out of my head until the very end of the summer and also that summer I had started drinking which I hadn't really done too much before so that was also <laughs> adding to like the weird mood changes I was experiencing <laughs> yeah. And um, right before I went off to university, I did notice I felt more sad. I didn't really feel like myself, but everybody goes off to university. Everybody just seamlessly, not seamlessly, but, you know, tra- makes that transition. They, they struggle, but... You leave the family for the first time. It's like kind of seen as normal. Like right. Some of that, some of the sadness is part of the experience in a sense. I mean, that's what you think at the time. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> I went, I moved into residence um, at... A university not too far from my home and from day one things weren't great uh, I was trying to make friends but a lot of the girl I was in an all-girls residence which certainly did not help anything <laughs> um, because the the girls are very clicky and um, I wasn't really acting like my normal self but mm-hmm. I still wasn't fully aware of anything that was going on at right. this point and I don't think anyone else around me really knew either it was kind of after a few weeks had passed that there's so many things happen so quickly. So I was still like really worried about, I think, maintaining my, the weight loss that I'd achieved. I was still really worried about exercising enough and like making sure I followed my diet very strictly. So I was just not as social as I normally would have been. So I really struggled making friends. I was like really worried about not getting high grades in university. One of the programs I had gotten acceptance to wanted us to maintain an 80% average wow, in the first two years in the fir- oh yeah wow. okay that's that's in order to high. like keep your standing of pre-acceptance hmm. and I was in like a science program and it was actually food and nutrition and I was just so worried with the science thing that that I wasn't going to maintain that average and I was like I'm, I'm not lying when I say this I think I was like anxious consistently so just on high alert always worried about a constant state something you know just like oh Mm. like i'm worried about who am i gonna hang out with tonight or oh i have this like assignment to do like is it it was really it was actually kind of weird and things just kept getting worse and eventually i kind of noticed something was off about five or six weeks in i was feeling really low just really sad i barely had any friends i was only interested in like going out and partying and that sort of thing because that was the only thing that made me feel sort of happy kind of alive in a sense yeah yeah, like it was a bit of a break there and also my my family visited me like five weeks in and they could kind of tell that's when they started worrying that something was off and I just knew that what was something in my head clicked that said okay I don't think this is normal I don't think this is right but I think I'm fortunate the reason why that happened so quickly was because I was thrown into this completely new environment I think if this had happened like when I was in high school or something it may have been different but there's just something about this whole situation that something I was like I think something's off so I was much more sad um not socializing not acting like myself isolating myself in my room just worried about school questioning my program just it, it was not fun at all but then I decided to reach out to counseling services at the university I was at um however when I tried contacting them 
I was put on a wait list. The wait list, yeah, yeah and, and I did, but and they okay. don't even like do an intake, right? They just oh, there wasn't so, even so. Yeah, I'm not sure if okay. Uh, so I know, for example, um, I ended up going to um, a different university afterwards. I know they have an intake process right. there, and so like you might not see someone for weeks, but that initial appointment at least you have you that. get like that yes, face. exactly, and like however I, short that is. I was yeah. gonna say like. I, I swear, like, I know, I remember talking to someone, like, extremely briefly. Right. But not about anything. Anything, anything actually, that I was actually feeling. Yeah, that you actually wanted to get out there. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, basically, they said, okay, so you can sit on this wait list, and you do have money to go see someone in the community. Um. There is some... Uh, money in the budget for that of course i was in such distress at the time i wasn't about to go looking for a psychologist or a counselor to like go see in the community no so yeah i was actually very fortunate that um because my family had like kind of been alerted to something not being quite right my mom i'm like lucky she just kind of found someone in downtown in the downtown area that i could uh, go see but that's great yeah i got lucky yeah for sure so so, um, but I got like lost on my way to seeing this person because it's not, it's not like on the campus, right? Like I had yeah, to like, bust into the, the bus community. To the random, yeah. Literally, like yeah, it was. Google Maps. It was kind of scary over. to the area I was in. I was like, this is yeah, questionable, but, um, that was my first, yeah, my very first counseling appointment. And I honestly just like, I cried the entire time. I didn't like my university. I didn't like my program. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew something was up. And at that point, obviously the counselor was super understanding, super nice. And she basically gave me a preliminary diagnosis of major depression, some sort of anxiety problems, and then also an eating disorder. And I think it was at that moment, I was like, oh my God, just, it kind of hit me. Like, this isn't like, what is going on? Right. Um, so I actually, I was just really scared and wasn't sure like how to move forward or what to do. Uh, so I saw her one more time and it was honestly, mo- we spent most of the time kind of talking about the pros and cons of staying where I was and mm-hmm. trying to just start getting support and trying to keep up with school and doing that whole thing or, or going home. kind of just going, I, I like, remember going through the, that exact same conversation with my counselor at Waterloo. Or just like piecing out, right? And it's, but in uh, my sense, my ego just took over and I was like, no, I can, I can do this. <laughs> Let me just uh, go through it. But. No, it, yeah. And it's interesting because that's typically the kind of person I am as well. But mm. I, I realized you really how knew messed up I was. Yeah. Because even once I had started kind of getting help, I was very fortunate that I was aware of my problem. Well, Fortunate and unfortunate, but like I, yeah. I knew I had a problem. Least, and a lot yeah. of people are in denial, yes. um, which is like that's just a feature of their mental illness. Like yeah. that's an individual thing. I just knew, okay, something's weird, and I wanted help. I think I'd also had some friends in high school who had seen counselors and like reached out to get help. So I was lucky that I didn't have this bias that oh, it's weird to talk to people and go see a counselor. Right. It was kind of like, okay, they had this problem. They saw someone. They, they got better. Yeah, yeah, And so I'm like, I'll just copy. It seemed like a more I'll natural copy what they did. Yeah. you had that experience. Exactly. Yeah, because nice. I had known someone who had exactly. struggled with certain mental health sure. issues. So ultimately decided, well, actually, I... Okay, so it's funny. So I say that I wanted to go home, but I was still definitely wanting to just like 
keep going. Keep, oh yeah, just fight through it. And like. I'm also just like horrible at making decisions. Any, <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I'm like the most indecisive person ever because I just overthink everything. And like, so ultimately my parents kind of made the call to like, yeah, you need to leave. Like okay. because my physical health was also being compromised right. so quickly, like it's it's kind of weird also like a blessing in disguise like because i think what like what actually alerted people to the seriousness of the issue was the physical side side interesting compared to because i would tell my parents some of the more deep thoughts that were more intense but i think it was more so the physical physical side yeah 100 percent. because they saw me just literally wasting away and yeah i had no idea what was going on they didn't know what was going on so yeah I made the decision at the end of October to leave school and at first this thought made me extremely happy like I was like oh my god I'm gonna leave what I had kind of considered to be prison all the woes are gonna be away going away now yeah exactly and move home and everything's gonna be better like I'm uh-huh. gonna get help I'm gonna get better and things because you kind of attach those issues with the exact location you're in right exactly yeah. oh my god like so I'm like like, yeah, this was just, a, it was all just a mistake, right? It was yeah. almost like, I think being able to undo my mistake yes. was how I viewed it. Exactly. So yeah, my parents moved me home and I was really happy for that first day. And then I ended up actually going to visit my friends at Laurier that weekend for Halloween because okay. my parents wanted me to I guess have fun still maintain contact with friends friends and, and like, like yeah. I was actually thinking about possibly transferring going to school there and were these friends for from back home or yes okay so yeah so you wanted just to keep gone that first year going. yeah nice so went there for Halloween and that it's it still breaks my heart that entire weekend just thinking about it because I think my family knew something was wrong and like they were scared but right that experience I think was really scary for them um, because they could clearly see and tell that I was not the same person I was even four or five months not even like three or three months ago like it happens very quickly so I had quote unquote fun but I remember um, losing my friends because I was super cold and I just ran into a random apartment building oh yeah you just go in there yeah and like even just interacting with friends I could tell something was off but like I also felt really off yeah we were looking for Halloween stuff and I felt like I was gonna like pass out and just waking up the following morning after drinking and partying the night before I looked in the mirror and I honestly I thought I was gonna die I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna get through this or get over this because I think even everything was starting to settle in for me I just left school what am I going to do? Like, what are my next steps after this weekend is over? Um, it's like kind of like I'm having fun right now. Yeah. But what's going to happen? Gonna yeah. yeah. And honestly, I think I was also living in basically a mental fog. Mm. Nothing was making sense. It wasn't really getting point. through. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know. I was just existing. Like, even my yep. memory of that time is hazy. Right. Um, Just because it's a mental illness that has really bad psychological effects but there's also bad physical effects as well yeah I didn't really know what I was going to be doing so that's when my friend drove me home and she started like crying in the car because she knew what was going on sort of and she was just really upset and that really hit me but I didn't know how to move forward or how to make things better still there was kind of like that that disconnect between what do I actually do now it's like I for sure know something's up but then it's like okay 
I still don't know what my reasons were. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that first couple weeks being home was really tough. My dad actually took time off of work just to hang out with me, oh, which is like, yeah, it's, it, that's, I was fortunate he did that, but I also, that made me feel horrible. Oh. I felt like I was like a two year old that needed to be watched by my, it was just scary. And I really also like wanted to go to the hospital. So right. of course I, my parents booked me in to see my family doctor. And because the depression had become so consuming at this point, they gave me a prescription for an antidepressant. So I started taking that, but it wasn't working fast enough. And right. of course it wasn't working fast <laughs> enough. Never these does, these right? things take six to eight weeks exactly. to uh, start working. And I think one of the biggest things at that time, which a lot of people don't understand is that my brain wasn't oh like okay I've left school like it's time to like get better whatever that is like whatever I'm supposed to do to get better there's no you know that's kind of what I discussed with uh Zade in the last episode it was literally like people expect the 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 one big moment in your life to produce this rapid change all of a sudden and it's like no that it doesn't work that no, way, especially not when you're in that state of mind. Like it just, it doesn't, have, those connections that you think are going to be made, those are not made. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. So start on the antidepressant and wanted things to work faster. So at one point I actually asked my dad to take me to the hospital because at this point, what was running through my head every single day on a constant basis was you suck. You're such an idiot. How could you like do this? Like, why didn't you just eat? You know, you're supposed to eat. That's what you're supposed to do. How I kind of took all the blame on myself and saw it as it was all my fault. I think it was also really interesting because school is what defined me. So even just thinking about not only how I perceive myself, but how other people perceive me, it's like, as Michelangelo has said, like I was super into academics. I was the girl people thought were going to kind of go off to university and just do something great you know like those expectations were always there for me yeah they were definitely set high even from what i can think i I remember thinking like laura's gonna go on and do some crazy stuff whatever it is she's gonna just go on and destroy it yeah exactly and so i thought oh my gosh these people are gonna realize that i'm not in school anymore and they're gonna ask questions and like i'm not gonna know how to respond to that so it's interesting because it's not like it's your own voice. It's not an external voice, but it's just you can't stop thinking these thoughts. No, definitely. Um, and the only time it would stop was when I would like eventually just, I think, get so exhausted from thinking these things and I would just pass out. At a certain point, I can, I can tell you just like at university when I was at my worst, I'd say it was it got to a point where I would rather just sleep than exist or like, yeah. A hundred percent. That's exactly how I felt. Sleeping was only the reprieve you had from the constant (laughs) thoughts in your head. Yes. And so I just couldn't take it. I had gone to get the medication. I thought the medication would be like a quick fix. Not so. So (laughs) my dad, yeah, my dad had to take me to the hospital. And it was interesting because he initially took me to St. Joseph's, which is known for its psychiatric emergency service there. But I was still only 17 years old. So they actually said, even though I was going to be 18 in literally two months, um, they're like, you got to go to McMaster Children's (laughs) Hospital. So so we drove all the way across to the other hospital. And even honestly, my experience there just sitting for so long waiting for so long to talk to somebody eventually i do remember talking to some people and basically at that time i didn't have a specific suicide plan so they didn't think i was high risk yeah 
So they're like, you're honestly not fit for inpatient, so just go home and like. They pretty much, unless you're very lucky and they happen to have a bunch of extra beds at the hospital at the time, they will literally, unless you're actively pursuing suicide, they will send you home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, and like, but I was, I wasn't okay. I just clearly showing. Some, I wanted yeah. to like go to sleep. Like I didn't, and I had even mentioned certain. I'd mentioned like, like I talked sort of about a plan, but I didn't have like the set plan mm-hmm. in place. And it's weird how almost in order for people to take you seriously you have to just use as severe language as possible honestly which is really sad that it has to come to that it really is at this point that's literally how our acute healthcare system works unless you're at the the most severe end of the spectrum we can't help you i'm sorry My parents can't leave me alone like they don't they don't they know I'm not safe to be by myself yeah. so then they have to give up work or just like take time to look after me but this is a severe health issue and yeah. <laughs> yet the hospital won't help out wow. um so what happened I actually I started basically going to work with my dad I was fortunate that his office allowed me to do that and basically just lived in limbo the medication did start to work I think okay. I was really lucky honestly don't know if it was necessarily making me happier but it was definitely numbing I think some of the mm-hmm. th- thinking that I had and I still felt really bad about my whole life but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I think my family gave me some projects to do I actually was working on this like cookbook um, in honor of my Nana. So that's what I was doing. And just honestly avoiding hanging out with people because I was really just ashamed of what had happened. Yep. And I didn't want to tell people about my story. I didn't want to like explain myself because I didn't even know what to say. And yeah. I was so embarrassed. And I think it's interesting because um, anxiety and depression are, they're like obviously horrible mental illnesses, but Nowadays, we're actually starting to get to a point where people are slightly more open about discussing them or just like it's kind of a bit more commonly talked about in society. The whole eating disorder part, oh my god, like that is just complete shame because I think people can kind of see how, okay, I get sad. I can see how someone might be super sad. Yeah. Okay, I sometimes feel anxious. I can see how someone would be ridiculously anxious. But then with eating, people are like, I love food. Like, what the hell? Like, what's going this on? would never be a thing. We and need you... food to survive. Like, how can you not eat? Exactly. Yeah, like, people <laughs> don't get it. And like, honestly, I didn't even understand it myself. So yeah. I was stigma. Like, that's why I ended up blaming myself so much because I truly did think that it was like my fault that it was something I did that caused this. And I know it was just people, lack of information. Like other people kind of had that perception too, which is unfortunate, but it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, so basically that entire year off was it's it's funny because now I reflect on it as my gap year but essentially I was just really sad for most of that winter and then I decided in January to actually start a continuing education course through McMaster so it's like for people typically who have like done their undergrad degree and then afterwards go back to school and it was a business course and it was just to see if I like business try to get a bit more academics back into my life test the waters again and yeah like yeah because I think I was also kind of it was hard because I was used to being extremely busy 24 7 to like literally having nothing to do so 
I was also seeing a counselor, but it was like, I didn't find it super helpful. Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of so-so. I also got a job at Starbucks. So that actually was when a lot kind of, like my mood improved a lot after nice. that because I was able to learn skills. I felt like I could contribute to something. Right. I was making some money. Um, and it was really hard, but I, I think it's funny. I think I love the complexity of it all, how people like order crazy drinks. Oh, like, they're like individual like, crazy. Like, Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> it's funny because like I honestly didn't know too much about Starbucks until I started working there. But then once you... Um, you, you dive realize. deep into a whole another coffee realm that exists. <laughs> Extra foam, 125 degrees. You're like, why? Like, why? And then <laughs> it's funny because I'm like, I feel like these people are just taking out their issues on me. And like, I, I get it, man. Like, <laughs> I understand. So it's fine. I'll just take it. I won't take it personally. Have you like, taken on any like crazy drinks now? Do you go up to Starbucks no, now and um, you're just like, okay, I want well, this, this, this? Honestly, sometimes I'm a bit more specific than the average person <laughs> okay, would be, okay. but. I know. That's probably just because you know they can oh, do it. Exactly. Like, not. I'm not one of those like, people who like, oh, taste it. Oh, she didn't make it right. Like, yeah. Please take it back. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's like next level. Um. So yeah. So basically work helped. But like my friends had to kind of like drag me out. Still, I wasn't interested in socializing. And like honestly, during that period, I do want to shout out my friends who did stick by me and were there for me because without them, I would not have left my house. And it's funny because I knew I was not fun to hang around with or be with. Yet they would still... They still made that effort every yeah. single time. That's yeah. amazing. And I know also like they... Some of them actually kind of open up to me a bit about their little like mental health things I had no idea about mm-hmm. um but also just they were there for me even though they didn't no one was forcing them to be there and like they, they didn't have just, to be there yeah, yeah. and it was, it was also a hard time because everyone was going through a lot of change at their first year of university and they didn't some of them had no mental health concerns um so they didn't fully understand it but they still tried to listen which I really appreciated so yeah and then I basically just at this point I'm like trying to figure out where I want to go to school the following fall because I'm like I need to get back into school and it's kind of weird because at this time I really wasn't much better at all no like you're (laughs) you're starting to make the realizations and you you kind of feel better because you're like oh now I know what it is. You're not at rock bottom anymore. Yeah, so you're like, okay, like, it's improvement. But let me s- jump right back into it. But then it's like, uh, no, you're not really, you still haven't really worked on it yet. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I read this book. I think it's called We All Fall Down mm-hmm. by Jennifer Weiner, And it's basically about um, this completely normal woman. She's like a mom and everything. And it kind of goes through how she becomes addicted to um, opioids. Um, which is super prevalent and common in our society now. But I think what kind of amazed me about this book is she, kind of similar to myself, didn't really have any issues. And all of a sudden, she found herself with a severe opioid addiction. And the book talked about how she did hit rock bottom and it was really bad for her. But she ended up going to rehab and kind of rebuilding her life after. And just kind of accepting, like, I need help. So I think because of that book, I was okay. Like, I need help. And I don't exactly know what services I need, but I think my food and like I still have some issues with food, so I need to get help for that. So I actually got a referral to an outpatient program, so I knew this was going to be covered by the government, thankfully. But still, the waitlist for that was months. So basically, I also kind of had gotten really interested in like pharmacology, maybe because I started taking drugs, Um, (laughs) because I knew nothing about psychiatric medication before, but like it's wild there's so many different kinds you don't know what's going to work for what person so I took an interest in that so I thought okay maybe 
I want to go to school for science and then see where that takes me. So I applied to two places. I applied to McMaster and Guelph because they were both uh, very close to home. And I ended up picking McMaster. Was it the campus? Was it the... I, I did actually visit so I did actually okay. tour Guelph and McMaster and honestly both of them like very welcoming campuses very welcoming people um I think maybe McMaster there was a bit more of a pull because it was super ridiculously close to home right. so I think that's why I ended up choosing it so I and it's funny because I essentially started treatment and McMaster at the exact same time so first year wow. <laughs> and outpatient treatment yeah. Um, so I was seeing someone like twice a week initially and eventually after that once a week. And I wasn't in an easy program. I went into life sciences, which is like known to be like a really intense program. And it's kind of funny because like you reflect on these things and you're like, I don't know how I was able to do it, but I think I got lucky. Um, my roommates were really awesome. Um, and I was actually able to get accommodations. So I had kind of like a little kitchen in my res. It was more apartment style. Um, I requested that. And basically I think what kind of helped me was not focusing on it 24 seven. So having school as a distraction actually sort of helped because I was able to work on myself, but then also there was something else that was important. And honestly, part of it was, okay, I know that I'm struggling with food and my mood and all this kind of stuff, but ultimately school is very important to me and I want to do well in school. So I'm going to focus on that and essentially stop some of my behaviors by just thinking okay i need like i need to yeah i need to yeah yeah, like for sure throwing myself into school um which ended up working like i had issues for sure and i actually also got accommodations just in case no it makes sense for sure um but it's funny because i also kind of thought though that was in the past just trying to like get over things i'm fine now like i'm in school again like, like all my issues like whatever i'm in treatment i'm getting better everything's like good you kind of want to just put it under the dust this didn't happen exactly yeah. yeah and my mood was much better because i think i'm definitely more of an extroverted person so being around new people and like making new friends it really helped that's actually what i was going to ask you like after your first experience in res was it kind of a debate between because I, mean, I know you said the mcmaster was a little bit closer to home was it any debate between oh i'd rather stay at home because with the food and whatnot my parents are here to support me or was it you really just wanted to dive in there? Oh my God. I wanted to get out of home so really? badly. Okay. I, and it's interesting because um, I think food actually played a part of it. Like I wanted to be able to do, I wanted control over what I ate and what I didn't eat and not right. worry, not have to worry my parents or be picky with them. Or like, like have them have to change their complete. Yeah. And like, I, uh, oh, and you hate. You hate it when people are watching you, what you're yes. eating, what you're not eating, oh, and yeah. just all that, that kind of That feeling of just someone's literally like, Staring no matter what it is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Even though they have the right intentions, it's just, just that that's not what I need right now. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, honestly, just it was always that kind of university ideal where people go off and like stay in res. That was, no matter where I went, that was just kind of going to be what I did because right. that was the expectation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I And you want the full experience too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, yeah, the full experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so like pretty much all of like that initial recovery and getting better was just me on my own. My family wasn't really involved. They knew I felt better and I was getting better, but mm. um, it was pretty much all by myself. Yeah, I basically just eventually felt better. But it was interesting because... I had done so much better, but then I also reached this point of thinking, okay, I feel better, but like there's still a lot that's wrong. 
right yeah yeah all of a sudden it's like yeah okay I, i've gotten to this point now and I'm, I'm i can think about all these other things that all of a sudden are popping up yeah that weren't were probably just like hidden in all the other despair and just feelings before and it's also interesting because i think what really helped was i went into mcmaster with the goal of not dropping out so i think when i was at my previous university i was like okay i need to get the best grades ever like i need to kill it something yeah i get like 90s like need to like be at the top of my class blah blah blah. whereas mcmaster okay like realistically just gonna like do my best and see what happens um so expectation setting was definitely a big part in that exactly however after first semester (laughs) i realized like i ended up doing really well um yeah, my grades wow. were ridic- okay. my grades were ridiculous. Nice. I know right. it's insane, and actually, so I also um, I took my first psychology course at this time, and that's when I Sweet. fell in love. I'm like, of oh my course. god, this is the coolest this subject I ever. Yeah. I think that's I was like, okay, I want to go into psych like hundred percent. Yeah. But like, I wasn't. I was still struggling immensely, like having to take time for treatment and all this kind of stuff. So like the fact that I did so well. It doesn't, it honestly doesn't really make sense. Um, But I think it just goes to show that like if I put, again, like you said before, if I put myself into something and have this goal, then I'm able to achieve it. With that goal in mind, you're able to go through like the stuff or whatever comes with it, you're able to keep going. Exactly. And I think honestly also I was very, again, still super hard on myself, right? Like still that expectation was there. Even though like it was a relaxed a bit, it was still kind of there that I wanted to do the best I could and like, try really hard. And actually, I think a lot of well, first year science, a lot of it is very similar to high school. Right. So because I had like tried so hard in high school and um, done so much work there, there was no, I didn't really struggle with the added workload per se because right. I was very used to working that much. Yeah. Like honestly, there obviously was even more than I expected and you can't do it all. So you kind of have to like accept not doing it all. Yeah. It's, it's um, weird. And your head, you your make. head does sort of feel like it's spinning, but <laughs> um, I think because I had a background in a lot of the subjects that I took, I was able to just, for whatever reason, do well. So that's kind of how my story went. Now that it's funny, like saying it and just saying the timeline of it all, and how I don't know how did this happen? How did it happen? Yeah. <laughs> and like I think it's kind of sad, actually, in the sense that I, I definitely pushed myself to appear all fine and normal much faster than I should have. I think I wish I'd taken more time to work on myself, I think, in that first year that I had. Right. Because after that, it was constantly pretending like I'm fine when I knew I wasn't. because I did start seeing a counselor after because basically the government will cover they actually do cover a lot like I'll give them that the program I went to is also amazing um I'll never forget the first day I went there just them talking to me and understanding my problems and validating my experience was it changed that changed my life yeah yeah so because because up until this point i'd basically just been blaming myself for the eating issues no like this is an actual mental illness and you didn't cause this yeah you don't really have control over this no exactly and i think that's a distinction people need to realize um especially with eating disorders because it's basically just like these genetic predispositions that people have 
Um, and now reflecting on my experience, like if you look at the textbook person who's prone to developing an eating disorder, it's like I fit perfectly. Like, perfectionistic, overachieving, highly empathic. Like there's just like, oh my God, no wonder. Like I was pretty much bound for this to happen at some point. Seriously, it's, 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 it's insane. But like no one tells you this. Like no one teaches you these things. No one warns you about these things. It's just genetics and the wrong environment that can cause some of these mental health issues. And so, yeah, so the, the clinic that I went to was amazing. They really helped. But then the government doesn't cover after that. However, yeah. Yeah. however, I wasn't cured. I want to believe I was cured after yeah, my treatment, but I sure. wasn't. I was only starting to kind of break the surface because when you're dealing with multiple, I think, mental health difficulties or like issues, the eating disorder is like the last thing that will happen. But most people who have eating disorders or have experienced eating disorders, they actually have predisposing anxiety most of them right. and there's usually a lot of people who, who also experience depression so you're dealing with it, eating specifically but then there's like the perfectionism the anxiety everything else so it's like, yeah. like it's like an onion peeling back all Ooh. the layers and you've got to deal with one by one one by one yeah. but then so the program i was in just ended and they do actually have a group that you can go into afterwards in order to like kind of maintain recovery okay, and that yeah. sort of thing. But it's interesting, like group treatment scared me. I was actually also very lucky that I was I was given the choice to do individual or group treatment. Um, a lot of places, if it's funded by the government, it's just automatically group is the only thing you That's can do. Option, yeah. And it's kind of funny because I realized after the fact, oh, like group treatment is amazing. Like why didn't why I, did I want to do this that? before? Yeah. I think because you're worried about sharing your experiences with a bunch of essentially strangers, strangers in a room. But I actually did end up doing uh, some group treatment through the same program as well. And it was incredible. Loved it. Just hearing other people's stories being so similar to your own and them saying that they get it and like, know they actually yes. do. Incredible. But then after that, you have to pay for your own private counselor yeah, and that's where it gets tricky again like once you basically like you have this little budget and you kind of want to make it work to last it but you need the treatment now so you, you just use it up in the first few bits and then it's just like ah oh, well now what exactly <laughs> at least that's how it was for me i was just like oh darn yeah, i no, used for it for sure no i'm <laughs> i'm lucky because i thought that my parents had some I don't even know what I thought, but I thought my parents had this amazing like benefits package yeah. where I could see this psychologist. I just keep going. And like it was covered, but I only realized later on that no, like not all of that is covered. Yeah. And they are not cheap. <laughs> it's like two hundred dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So, but they knew that it was important for me, and they knew I think that it was helping me. So that's why they um kind of they, actually they let let sure. me do it. But it's interesting. Even after that point, I ended up going back to that initial clinic because a couple years after I I relapsed like it wasn't quite it wasn't to the same extent as like my rock quite bottom severe, yeah. but it was still pretty significant and they're they're such a great service that they will kind of take you back and help you kind of pick back up because especially eating disorders have an extremely high relapse rate and an extremely low recovery rate I was just very lucky to get that support again uh, because it's interesting, like, not only do you feel terrible that, like, you're not yourself and that you have this mental illness, you also feel terrible because you feel, like, a burden financially to, like, your family yes. and for having these issues. And I've pretty much been seeing a counselor for, like, 
the last like five years nice. uh, almost consistently a bit on and off but um still just trying to work on things because life like you think you're over one thing and then kind of life throws something else at you yeah it's interesting how you the more you learn the better you get at dealing with your issues kind of knowing how to handle them right. but it's still very tough and then to try to kind of act like your complete normal society's eyes and like be at the same level as other or I was pushing myself to be as, yeah, at the same level exactly. as other people that was also very difficult and I've talked to my friends a lot about um, what I've been through but I did notice that not a lot of people asked questions about what had happened with me what was going on with me <laughs> after it happened um, I'm wondering if that was something that happened for you um for for me, it was, yeah, it's, it's kind of like people, people know, like even people that are close to you, they know something's up. They know like you're all of a sudden you're unable to, you're, or you're just not doing the things that you used to do, whether it be like your academics or sports or you just disappeared all of a sudden. But it's at the same time, it's like they don't expect it. I think we were talking about this actually before we started recording. They don't expect it to be because of mental illness. Right. They never, it, that's like not the first idea that pops into their mind. They almost just think like, oh, this guy just. He just must have changed his mind. Like he must have. And did oh, you he ever feel like going to school anymore? But right. Like, did you ever like? I don't want to say like. Did you ever lie? But did you ever kind of play it off as something else? Ugh, all the all the time. I honestly like. I what, I couldn't even. What did you? What, what would you say to people? Like, oh, especially didn't... leaving engineering in the in the, in the mm -hmm. first place. For me, it was like, oh, you know what? I never really wanted to do science, anyways. Like that uh, wasn't really yeah. for me. Like yep. that's why that's yeah. why I'm going into business. It's completely different. No. It's completely no. different. So no, therefore, yeah. like, I'm, it makes sense. You know what right? I mean? No, yeah. I 100% did the same thing. 100%. <laughs> like it was just like I had to I save didn't like face some. Yeah. I didn't like the program. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, my professor really hated me. Like, yeah. like no, no, he didn't. No, no yeah, didn't. no, but it, it is hard, and like I don't. I, but it's funny because I don't blame people for not asking because mm -hmm. it's such a weird topic and thing so weird yeah. i think pers I mean, personally I like i think a lot of people knew it wasn't like people knew it wasn't just it was a bit more than oh i didn't like the program but yeah. they also didn't want to um bring up anything bad for me like talking about it nobody wants to bring up nowadays nobody really wants to bring up any negativity in general just whether it be like something that you could actually help you get through something it's just exactly it's taboo either way exactly yeah. so yeah definitely i don't like blame anyone for not yeah. bringing it up but it's interesting like to this day like still a lot of people don't outright kind of ask me about my own experiences and so even it's kind of funny sharing this story in speaking about it even just michelangelo it's interesting because i know there's been countless like therapists and counselors that have heard this story and i've written it out and kind of had people read it but in terms of <laughs> other people hearing it it's, this is like one of the first times this is happening and thank you for that i and really appreciate you coming here yeah and it's no i'm like really happy to be able to do this because i think it's really important to share stories and to not be ashamed of what you've been through because especially i think coming from the lens of like you said before i didn't have a bad childhood like everything was pretty pretty, pretty yeah. average pretty normal and then all of a sudden like you hit 17 or 18 and it's funny because they also don't warn you that like this is like the age when like a lot of like mental health issues develop and like nobody tells you that there's no there's, talk about that in high school there's, no there's you would think like in health or just i don't even know i feel like that should 100 percent be 
some part of the curriculum where, hey, you're entering a stage where like you might start feeling really sad about like just <laughs> yeah. these things could be starting to happen like, for know, you. Like, just do like a tiny unit in the biology course, like something like that. Like I, I don't, don't know, wanna, like where you want to put in, it. Instead of like focusing on civics or whatever, I was literally like, about to say Do you say remember civics? anything from civics Come or on. even careers? Like how? I, Yes, at age 15, I know exactly what my life is going to be like. Let me write an essay about me becoming a doctor. Like, like. <laughs> uh, there's just better things they could be doing with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to share my story. And even, yeah, I think people should be more open about talking about their experiences and sharing what they've been through because that's the only way that other people will feel comfortable to also share their experiences Definitely. and reach out. I also wanted to say um, I was lucky. I was not against seeing someone, but I know there's a lot of people out there that do. They're kind of worried about talking to essentially a stranger about their entire life story. But honestly, it's funny because I'm also working towards possibly entering a profession of counseling and they're not going to judge you. They just truly, people who go into that profession truly just want to help. A lot of them, either they've had their own experiences with mental health or like a very close friend or family member has like experienced this and that inspired them to want to go into Push this area, into right? Sure. So these people want to help. So just seek out help um, in whatever way you can, whether that's um, at your university counseling center um, hopefully they don't put you on a wait list like they put me on a wait list. Um, <laughs> they are slowly getting better. Definitely. Um, they're, they're, they're making an effort. They're, they're making more of an Slow effort right now. But Slow but it's happening. Yeah. Or even hospitals do have programs that your family doctor can refer you to. Mm-hmm. And there's also wait lists for that. But that's nice because it's it's free. Like there's going to be no cost exactly. to you. And then if you do have benefits, you can kind of seek someone in the community. And sometimes it does take seeing a couple people to figure out who you've been. And um, one thing I will say is if, if you're struggling with a very specific mental illness, for example, an eating disorder or like ADHD, OCD, I would try to look for someone who specifically advertises that they have experience in that area um, because they Definitely. just have like, they just have extra training to be able to understand that specific issue. Most counselors and therapists, anxiety, depression, like a lot of them cover those because those are just so common and prevalent. But if you are dealing with something more specific, like try to look for that person who has specific training in that because they're just gonna be able to handle it better. Yeah, and yeah. going to end it. I just wanted to thank Laura once more for coming out and talking to me as well as sharing her story. I feel like her story is definitely going to help a lot of you out there that may have had some similar experiences or, or maybe going through the similar situation right now. As always, feel free to reach out to me at Open Social Society on Instagram. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to shoot me a DM. Cheers.